0: This this, this this
1: this is Loa. A podcast. A podcast. A podcast that features the stories,
0: stories, ideas, and people that shape Vietnam. 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 Today.
2: Hi. You're listening to episode 81 of Loa. My name is Tuy Vikao. Today is June 4th, 2018. Two weeks ago, a few of our law members traveled to RightsCon in Toronto, Canada. RightsCon is an annual gathering of technologists, activists, and policymakers to discuss human rights in the digital age. While there, our editor in chief, Jin Nguyen, joined producers from Venezuela, Peru, and Argentina to record a discussion on the joy and challenges of creating podcasts. You can check out that recording on our social media pages. As our team was busy with traveling, we unearthed two segments from our archives for today's episode. June 4th marks the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square protest in 1989. Nearly three decades later, in 2017, protest leaders of Tiananmen advised a young Joshua Wong in Hong Kong as he sat in jail. Loa's reporter Kathy Chiu was fortunate enough to interview Wong, one of the leaders of the Umbrella Movement, before he was jailed. This, on the record,
1: aired in August 2016. Your name has been in so many headlines since you were 15 years <laughs> old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How, um, what has that been like for you?
3: Um, I just hope to throw my influence to a lot more people in Hong Kong, in a world that care about human rights, democracy, and freedom to support the movement in Hong Kong, especially with facing the interference of the Chinese Communist regime. It's necessary to gain more people to support our movement.
1: And you being the figure for that is something you're comfortable with?
3: Um, it's not really an easy things because I'm still a university student and I need to pay the price for it, especially I need to face the sentence name on 15th of August. And I found guilty and a maximum penalty will be sent to prison for five years. But I would just remind myself, even being a, a public opinion leader or a representative and demonstration would not be an easy thing. But actually, someone in this new generation should bear the responsibility to fight for the future of Hong Kong.
1: Wow, that's very noble. Just stepping back a little bit, I know that this spring you and some other student leaders founded a new political party called Demosisto. Yeah. Could you tell us about Demosisto's platform and about any plans for the upcoming legislative council elections?
3: Demosisto is the new political party founded by the organizer and umbrella movement. We hope to bring and transfer the power and umbrella movement inside the institution and to fight for self-determination and democracy and let the young and new generation can bring their voice inside the institution. So um, now Nathan Law, the chairperson of Damosisto, would be the only candidate for us in this election. We hope that Nathan would be the youngest legislator in Hong Kong.
1: Like you mentioned earlier, you and some other student leaders who spearheaded the Umbrella Movement back in 2014, you're recently convicted of unlawful assembly. How do you think your political party, Demosisto, will be impacted by the sentencing in a few weeks?
3: And the worst case, if the court decided to send him to prison more than three months, he would not be able to run in ele- this election. But I think no matter Nathan is still able to run in the election after the 15th of August or not, we will still continue to fight inside and outside the council and to hope to gather Hong Kong people and prepare for the next movement in the future. And what does that, that future look like? We are still preparing for the next movement or campaign in next year because in the next year, March with the chief executive election and it will be the time for us to bring the voice of the new generation to enter the chief executive election and during the chief executive election we have to uh, raise our political agenda of demanding self-determination which means that we have to push forward our self-determination movement referendum and let Hong Kongers to decide the sovereignty and amend the current constitution and to let Hong Kongers to gain our original rights to determine our future.
1: You're not scared about the possibility of being jailed, is
3: um, right? I would just remind myself, hope for the best and prepare for the worst. It would not be an easy time for me, yeah, because I, if I need to send to prison, I need to delay my study. But I just hope, being a young generation, if uh, after the sentencing, it would just motivate more of the new generation to concern about the future of Hong Kong.
1: And how have people in Hong Kong generally
3: responded to your political activism? Uh, I think that um, it's easy to get the new generation and young people to support us, but I just to hope to through my previous commitment and involvement in the movement to let the old generation and the old people know that it's the time to let the young people to determine our future instead of allowing the people, especially the tycoons or the pro-Beijing professionals or businessmen to decide all of the things for the young generation and the youngster.
1: What are your long-term goals for yourself?
3: I was still involved in social movement and fight for the right of self-determination for every Hong Kongers. It's not an easy time and it's a long-term battle, especially we are facing the largest communist regime in the world, but we will hope to through our courage and our commitment to fight for the future of Hong Kong. I will still be the activist in the street, and maybe in the future, I may get a chance to enter the council.
1: So, like yourself, most of our law listeners are young activists, and they're listening from inside Vietnam and around the world. Do you have a message you want to give to them?
3: Um, I just hope to... Uh, remind every activist in the world. We have a different cultural and diverse political context but actually we are also facing the suppression from the tycoons, elite, and the upper class. So, it actually it's a really long term battle. Sometimes we may be downhearted and depressed but if we know that it's the ta- social movement and activism is just like turning something impossible to be possible. Just show our courage and persistence. Finally, we can win back the place that we live and win back the future of our generation.
1: I just want to thank you so much for your time. I know you're really busy. Good luck with everything.
3: Okay, thank you for the interview. All right, bye. Bye.
2: That was Kathy Chu on the record with Joshua Wong, a democracy activist from Hong Kong. Wong is now 21 years old, and he's the secretary general of a pro-democracy party, Demosito. Today, on the 29th anniversary of Tiananmen Square, Wong and other activists will launch a new think tank with aims to advocate for democracy in China. <laughs> How can a handmade children's toy become a form of solace and resistance in jail? We revisit a story about dolls made in prison in this solitary envoy. This segment was produced by Gwen Ngo in December
4: 2016. Have you ever seen a roly-poly doll? They are also called tumbler dolls or wobbly man dolls. They've got round heads, round bottoms, and no limbs. When you push the doll, it wobbles for a bit, but it never falls down. There's a version made by ethnic minorities in Vietnam, colorful and crocheted. And now there's another version, made exclusively by one political prisoner. We call them roly-poly dolls because they don't have any arms or legs. That's Dang Ngọc Min, mother of Nguyễn Dang Minh Măng, a 31-year-old photojournalist and beautician who's currently serving her fifth year in prison. Minh Măng was sentenced to eight years on charges of subversion. Ngọc Min is a former prisoner of conscience, having been arrested at the same time as her daughter, but was released much earlier. She recalls the time that she and Minh Măng learned how to make the dolls while in pretrial detention.
5: The time that
4: we were brought to Nghe
0: Ang at Nye Kim camp, and there were some ethnic minorities there, and they
4: would make these dolls, but they were kind of ugly. They taught us how to make them. Each doll is unique and wears a different outfit. They are the size of your palm, with striking details. Some have eyelashes or tiny butterflies and flowers stitched on their hats. One wears a hat that's flipped up in a coquettish fashion. Another one is very festive, decked out in red and green, her two braids tied with red ribbon with the words Merry Christmas threaded across her little body. But arts and crafts get tricky when you're being held in a detention center. The thing is, when we learned how to make them, we were at a
0: detention center, so we didn't really have any materials. When we wanted to practice making them, we had to use these threads from our bath towels. And that didn't really look good, when you pull out all those threads. But then, when we were transferred to a different detention center, there were many prisoners working on embroidery, and they gave us all these leftover threads, all different colors. And we found some cotton too, so we stuffed the doll's stomachs, made it much
5: prettier.
4: Min Meng went on a doll-making frenzy. She made one for every occasion, one for Christmas, one for her mom's birthday, one for her parents' wedding anniversary. At the prison that Min Meng and her mother were held, inmates are kept apart from each other and completely barred from going outdoors. Reading materials are highly regulated, and inmates risk solitary confinement for any perceived misconduct. The roly-poly dolls became a therapeutic source of creativity and distraction. When her mom was about to be released, Min Meng passed a bunch along for her to take home. But prison guards got suspicious. Ngok Min says they demanded to cut open the dolls to make sure it wasn't a ploy to sneak something out of prison. When I brought them out to the gate, the
0: prison guards started searching them. They were afraid we were hiding papers or materials inside the stomachs. So they said to me, we're going to cut open these dolls. And I said, oh my God, no, these are such beautiful dolls. How can you do that to them? They'll ruin them. So I
4: allowed them to cut one of the ugliest ones. They found nothing in the stomachs of the dolls except cotton. What the authorities didn't realize was the messages the dolls bear were right in front of their faces. They just couldn't comprehend them.
0: One had the flag of the Republic of Vietnam, and she embroidered my English name, Ami, on it, along with my birthday, April 4th, next to the word freedom, the white flower, and a cute butterfly on the hat. It was so pretty.
5: the top, the has a
4: The white flower, hoa Mai, that appears on many of Min Meng's roly-poly dolls represents the symbol of Viet Thanh, and serves as a message of solidarity for those fighting alongside her beyond prison walls. Min Meng, like her mom, is a member of the pro-democracy party. Another doll is dressed in black, with the letter T and the number 4 embroidered on the body. The T stands for Thang, or month, and the 4 stands for the month of April. This doll, Ngọc Minh says, commemorates Thang Tư Dang Black April, otherwise known as April 30th or the fall of Saigon. The family had attempted but failed to flee Vietnam after the war. Ngọc Minh wanted to share her daughter's cute and meaningful creations with the world, so after her release, she posted them on Facebook. People from all over began to comment and notice the dolls. That's when the authorities banned Ngọc Minh and her husband from bringing any more dolls home after prison visits. But this is not the only international attention Min Meng has received. Three months ago, in September, the United Nations Working Group on Arbitrary Detention declared that Min Meng, quote, was detained solely for the peaceful exercise of her rights, end quote. They called for her immediate release. And while Min Meng is still behind bars at Prison Camp 5 in Tanhua, during their November family visit, Ngoc Min said they have noticed a slight change in behavior among the authorities. She and her dad were
0: talking through the glass partition on the phone. He said to her, The UN told the Vietnamese government to release you unconditionally. And I'm letting you know this, but don't rush to hold too much hope because at the end of the day, it is still up to the state. But organizations and people all around the world are speaking up for your freedom. In the past, whenever we spoke about matters related to the case, they stopped us immediately. But this time, they didn't stop us. All five of the prison guards standing watched to not say a word.
5: Ngọc
4: Minh says that she and her family just wish for Minmong to return home. They don't want her to receive political asylum and be exiled to another country. She says that they want to fight together as a family for a free Vietnam in Vietnam. And if the authorities fear letting some roly-poly dolls leave prison, one can only imagine how they feel about setting Minh Meng free. Loa
2: was going go with a solitary envoy about dolls handmade by Nguyen Dak Ming Mun while in prison. Today, Ming Mun is 33 years old. She is still in prison and will not be released until 2021. That's it for this episode. If you have any topics that you would like us to cover, stop by our Facebook page and send us a message. We'll be back with new stories soon. Until then, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and visit our website at www.lua.fm. I'm Tui Vikao in Oakland, California, signing off.